be seated. You know, um, there's a hurricane uh, coming uh, towards uh, the East Coast. You know that. Uh, Irene, uh, great lady. Anyway, um, this, is, this is my brother uh, right down here in the front row. You know, we, we're back for, we live beside each other in Pennsylvania. And uh, here he calls me and he says, where are you anyway? Uh, he's an executive with Sherwin-Williams and um, he just happened to be here, so I said, hey, come hear me preach tonight. <laughs> so he'll bring, a, uh, he'll bring a good report back uh, uh, to uh, Newcastle, I'm sure. Anyway, um, I have a set of tape. It says, everything is going to be all right. Evacuation route. I just happened to see it on my table. You guys need rain, you know? We don't need a hurricane uh, in Florida. We get plenty of rain. So um, I want us to pray a prayer tonight. Uh, and it kind of goes like this. Uh, when those hurricanes come up, we want them to go a little bit farther up the Gulf. So you ready? So we're going to do this prayer. It kind of goes to the left, to the left, to the left, left, left. Okay, ready? All together. So you guys need to get a hurricane up here. All ready? Let's go. To the left, to the left, to the left, left, left. Okay, guaranteed winner. Okay. What I do is uh, I work with human behavior, and um, anyway, if uh, you know somebody that's struggling in their marriage, or if you're struggling in your marriage, I have a, I have a kit here. It's, it's, really what, it's really a lot of what I do. Uh, it's called um, Body and Soul. It uh, fosters renewed re- romance, relationship, uh, intimacy. There's a, a tape on personality. The majority of issues that happen in marriage are communication issues. You know, God has a sense of humor. Opposites attract, you know. Go figure. You're drawn to your opposite. And then for the rest of your life, you'd like to make them like you. But it just doesn't happen. So if you're interested in a good marriage, if you're single and you'd like to have a good marriage, you'd like to find the right... This is, this is better than a dating site. That's all I could tell you. Because it'll tell you really what to look for. And so it's a little package out there. And then for those of you that are working with kids... Um, I know Shelley has mentioned this. It's a book I contributed to called Different Children, Different Needs. Um, and uh, I have some out there. Um, it's, listen, kids are different. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, I struggle because if the, if the world would look at me, they would say I raised great kids. You know, they're kind, they're loving, uh, they honor their parents, they're, they're good, they're... they're uh, they're honest. I have, I have good kids. But they're not real spiritual. You know, I, I raised them in the church, took them to uh, Sunday school, took them to youth group. And they have difficulty with church because they, they were hurt in youth group and there were things that happened, you know, in their lives. I'm not making any excuses there. But <clears throat> it's their journey. But I know that we raised them right as people. We know we did the right things as people. And I have to believe that God's going to take care of the rest of that. A lot of what we did was right here. And, uh, you know, their personality style, the personality of a style, style of a child is very, very important. Uh, whether they're a dominant child. We were just on the way up. Uh, I was uh, driving up here, and a guy was telling me about his son, and his son is very dominant and um, doesn't like to come under rules. And he was wondering what to do, and I was just sharing him. I could have given him a chapter out of the book here. Uh, of what to do, and, and he said, oh, he said, yeah, he says, I didn't try that, and uh, I said, well, you know, they need parameters, maybe you need to ask questions, and the questions that I was telling him are right here, 
And so I know he's going to go back and he's going to make a difference with his teenage son. I know that for a fact. I know it for a fact. I'd like you to turn with me to John, the fourth chapter. I'm going to talk to you about a story that literally changed my life. It changed my life. It's a story of the Samaritan woman and how Jesus had an, an interaction with her. I like the story because it's, a, it's about non-religious Jesus. I like him when he's not religious. And I can't remember him being religious. It's like he kind of broke the mold. Um, you know, in fact, he got angry with the religious people. He called them blind guides. He called them dead men bones. He, he made a lot of reference to them. But this is a perfect example of him not being religious because the Jews did not go through Samaria because there was a difference of theology. The Jews said, you worship in Jerusalem. The Hebrews wanted you to worship in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans said, we worship in the high places. That's where we, that's where we worship. And so there was a big contention there. You know, uh, Stormy mentioned that he said about me being Jewish. Let me tell you, when I came into Christianity... I couldn't believe all of the differences between Christians. I mean, many, many, many. I mean, it's like on and on and on and on. Who believes in tongues? Who doesn't believe in tongues? Who believes that the Bible is the inspired word of God? Who believes it's a book of stories? Who believes that uh, you have to have a baptism in Jesus' name? Who believes in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that you baptize? I mean, uh, those are just three. There are thousands. And I could never figure it out. I could never get it together why there's so many different beliefs, and even amongst charismatics or Pentecostals, so many different beliefs. I mean, it's like we take some scriptures out of here, and everybody has a a belief, and if you don't quite believe it my way, you know, maybe I'm a little bit better than you. And so I like Jesus that he went through Samaria. I like that. I mean, when I got saved, when I accepted Jesus into my life, let me tell you, it was a very untraditional way. My brother-in-law, who was uh, my girlfriend's brother at the time, had invited us to go to church with them. He was a Reformed Presbyterian. He would go to the Reformed Presbyterian church in the morning, and then he'd go to the Pentecostal church at night. Go figure. And so I, we go to church with him. And let me tell you something, I didn't know what I was expecting to see. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to this Pentecostal church, you know, they're, they call them holy rollers. You know, I don't know, am I going to see people rolling down an aisle? You know, where did that term even come from? And I don't know what I'm going to see. And so I, I walk into this church, and these people had their hands up in the air, and they're singing out loud, and some are laughing, some are crying, some are standing up, some are sitting. I mean, I didn't get it. They were just all over the place. But there's one thing I noticed. They were passionate about what they, what they were doing. It's like they were into it. And in the synagogue, I can't ever tell you that I was like into it. It's like you did it because you were supposed to do it. I mean, I said to my rabbi many times, why do we do this? He said, well, you know, we've been doing it for thousands of years, you know. Don't ask, don't ask. And I, you know, well, Rabbi, why do we do this? Ah, we've been doing it for thousands of years, you know. Don't ask. Tradition, tradition. It's like the fiddler on the roof, right? And so 
I mean, I, I, I never understood why we did all the stuff we did. But here I am in a church seeing these Christians doing things that I had never seen really before. And then a guy got up behind the pulpit and he said, you know, I want to talk to you about tongues. Well, I never heard about tongues. My father was in the meat business. Our father was in the meat business. We knew cows, cows tongues, lambs tongues, veal tongues, beef tongues. Then the guy's telling people, come up and get a tongue. I went, whoa. I said, I am out of here. I'm out of here. And so I got up and I walked out. I walked out of service and I, and I went out and I'm in the waiting area and this guy came through the door and he said to me, he said, you know, I saw you walk out of the service. He says, there's something wrong. And I, I didn't say anything. And he said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And I figured, why not? How long could he pray? Well, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed prayed and he I mean I'm thinking when is he going to stop then he starts to speak in Hebrew he starts praying a prayer that I had learned when I was preparing for bar mitzvah and I'm thinking this guy's Jewish what's the chances of another Jew being in a place like this this guy's Jewish so I said to him when I, he, he finished, I said, oh, you're Jewish. He says, no, no, I'm not Jewish. I said, you're not Jewish? I said, where'd you learn Hebrew? He said, what are you talking about? I said, you were talking Hebrew. He went, that was Hebrew? He said, that was Hebrew? This guy's talking in tongues to me, and it's Hebrew. Well, I think, I think God's going to kill me. I mean, I think I'm just, this is, a, I'm in the middle of a supernatural experience. I figure I'm just going to, you know, this is a sign I'm going to die. Something's going to happen. I think God might just be killing me here. And, and so then I go into this room by myself and I, I figure, you know what, I'm going to make a deal. I better make a deal with God quick. I better make a deal. So I said, you know what, look, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this isn't real. But if it's real, I really would like to know it. If it's not real, I guess nothing will happen. So look, I'll do something for you if you do something for me. You know, what am I going to do for God? You know, I, you know it's... It sounded good. I mean, I'm trying to make a deal with God. I forget who I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with the head Jew. He gets the best deal, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, that was the beginning of my journey. My journey started that way. I mean, very untraditional. I mean, a way. I mean, it's like, oh, Father, forgive me of my sins, you know? I mean, it wasn't a Catholic thing. Uh, it, it wasn't an Episcopalian thing. It wasn't a Methodist thing. It wasn't a pen. It was just, I, was, I guess I was afraid. And I said, look, I need to know if it's real. And at that moment, when I'm saying, don't kill me, I think God came in and gave me life. Now, I didn't get it. I didn't quite, it took me a little while to get it. But very untraditional. And it's never changed. I've still been very untraditional and not very religious. I, 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 so I like the stuff, I like the stories that talk about when Jesus kind of pushed, pushed back on religion. So here he's pushing back, and he goes to Samaria, and while he's in Samaria, he meets this gal. Now here's the story. Let me give it to you. It says, when a Samaritan, it says, <clears throat> now he had to go through Samaria, I'm in the fourth verse of the uh, fourth uh, chapter of John. It says, now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to this town uh, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired, and he was, uh, he was on his journey. He sat down 
by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So it's in the middle of the afternoon. And when the Samaritan, a Samaritan woman came to draw water in the middle of the afternoon, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews don't associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater? Are you, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from uh, it himself and, and his sons and his flocks? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will, th- will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become the spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come to keep coming here to draw. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Now, that's the story. So here it is. Jesus goes to a place he's not supposed to be, and he meets a woman who he's not supposed to meet because you draw water in the cool of the morning and the cool of the night, not in the middle of the afternoon. And so, why was she there in the middle of the afternoon? Because she didn't want to see anybody. And all the crowd that was there, drawing water in the morning and drawing water in the evening. So she didn't, she didn't want to see them. Probably feeling bad about who she was. Probably feeling bad about herself. You know, we're, getting, we're going to get an indication of that. There's probably something in her life that wasn't right. Have you ever felt bad about yourself and didn't want to see anybody? You ever felt a little depressed and wanted to stay in the room and... Close the windows? You ever felt like um, uh, somebody didn't like you and you didn't want to have to meet them? You had words with somebody before and you didn't want to have to see them? Somebody talked about you and you didn't want to have to deal with them? Ever happened to you? Oh, I think so. Everybody in here. And so here, she's there, Jesus meets her, and he, he says to her, you know what, I have some water And when you drink this water, you won't get thirsty. Immediately, he starts to engage her about something common. They're both there for the same thing. They're both there for water. So he starts to engage her about something that she knew and something that he knew. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Religion would not work in this situation. Only relationship. Write it down. Religion, not relationship. Not religion, but relationship. You got it? Religion would have stopped him from being there. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I had a Bible study. And in the Bible study, it was a Catholic Bible study. And I'm going to tell you, when, when I, after I accepted Jesus, I didn't like Catholics too much. You know, every time I thought about Catholics, I thought about the Spanish Inquisition. And during the Spanish Inquisition, they killed Jews. Okay? Historically, true fact. So I was not really enamored with the Catholic Church. And here I find myself having a Catholic Bible study. I start with 10 people, and a year later I have 2,400. Oh my gosh, where'd they all come from? I had Catholics everywhere. And they used to say the craziest things. 
And they used to do the craziest things. They came with beads and chains and, and uh, uh, you know, they had little, little symbols. And, uh, and they never knew what to call me. Never knew what to call me. They used to call me the Jewish priest. And so they would come up and they'd go, Father, bless me, bless me, Father. And so I never knew how to do that. I had to rent a movie called The Cardinal to find out how to bless them. Okay? And I, I, and I learned how to do it. I could bless them like this. That's how I blessed them. And, and I, could, I could do a serious blessing. I could do the happy blessing. I mean, I had it down. I, I had it down. And I'll never forget this woman came to me, and she said to me, she says, you've got to go get my mother saved. She wants to talk to you. Can you believe it? She'll talk to you because you're Jewish. She said, but she won't talk to a Protestant. I'm thinking, gee. So I go down. She happened to live in the town. And I go down to talk to this little woman that uh, she's a Catholic woman. Italian, and so I knock on the door, and here's this little Italian woman standing at the door, and she says to me, oh, I was so glad to see you. Come on and eat. <laughs> so I go in, and she lays out a spread of food, and I eat, and I eat, and I eat. And finally, I can't eat anymore. I say, look, I can't eat anymore. She goes, so matter? You don't feel good. Do You don't feel good. And so she wants to have coffee. We go into this other room to have coffee. And I look over there, and I look at her Bible, and her Bible is in Italian. And I went, oh, man. I said, this woman reads her Bible. And it's in Italian, and it's circled, and it's underlined, and she has little notes out there. And she tells me how her husband fell off a scaffolding while he was making, he was a bricklayer, came from uh, the old country, came from Italy. And she said, my husband will die. My husband will fall to his death. I'm a raise of 13 of kids, 13 of kids. She says, Jesus of my husband. Jesus will put the clothes on my back. Jesus will put the food on my table. Jesus will give me money. Jesus will protect my kids. I go to church every day, every day I go to church. I kiss the ground because I'm a lover my Jesus I said I came to get that woman saved so I asked her to pray for me and I left <laughs> I want to tell you what how many denominations say oh this about the Catholics and this about this and this about that and here's a woman that's probably more spiritual than half of the ministers in the profession So I knew religion is not going to make it. But relationship does. Relationship with Jesus. Relationship with others. Relationship with yourself. This woman did not have a relationship with God. She did not have a relationship with others. And she felt plenty bad about herself. And Jesus says to her, look, I can give you some water. And she's thinking, if I can drink this water and I never thirst again, I don't ever have to go to the well and meet the people who think I'm crappy. How many of you have read this story about the woman at the well and you thought, you know what? There's something wrong with her. Something wrong with this gal. She's a whore. Maybe she's a prostitute. Maybe she has a lot of infidelity in her. How many of you thought that? She's had five husbands. Jesus said to her, go get your husband. 
She put her head down and says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. How many of us have thought there's something wrong with her? I think probably just about everybody who's read that story. Well, I'm going to give you the other side of the story. Are you ready? It could be just as valid as what you think. She was 13 years old. And her father had a wedding and had it all arranged with another family. And the dowry for that was many sheep, many cattle, and a piece of land. And so he gave his daughter, 13 years old, to this man, his son. She was 13. He was 24. And he got called away to the military. And while he was out there and he was in the military, he was killed. The rule of the day is that the wife goes to a brother and that the brother marries the wife. And so she's now in the hands of a younger brother that's 22. And so... She's only 14. And so now, he gets called away to war, and he gets killed. And now the father gives to one remaining son. There were some daughters in between, but there's one remaining son who's 15 years old. And so now the 14-year-old is given to the 15-year-old. And while he was out in the field, and he was watching the sheep, there was a mountain lion that came out and attacked him and killed him. And he died. The father said, this girl is a curse to me. I lost three sons. I want her out of my house. And so he makes a deal with a man that had a neighboring farm because he wanted the land. And he was an old guy. And he said, here, I'll tell you what. I'll give you this girl as your wife but I want this land. And the old guy said, done. She lived with him for two years. She's now 16. He was an old man. And he died of old age. Now she has no one. But she's in the estate. And so the brother comes and wants the estate. And the only way he can get the estate is if he marries her. And he marries her so he can get the brother's estate. But for some reason, she doesn't have children. And he's with her for three years now. She's now almost 20. And he pushes her out in the street because she cannot have children. She's out in the street. She has no one. Her choices are to sell her body so she can exist and live. And this middle-aged guy sees her out there and says to her, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. Nothing sexual. I'm making no demands on you whatsoever. But I'm going to have you come to my house and I'm going to protect you. Protect you from the street. Protect you from people that would take advantage of you. 
and I want you to come in. And if you ever fall in love with me, then I want to marry you. But if you don't fall in love with me, it's okay. So here's the woman with Jesus. And Jesus says, you had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your husband. How's that for a different side of the story? And you don't know that that's not true. But how quick we are to judge what's wrong about this woman, how quick we were to call her and to think about things that were wrong about her, and she's so ashamed because she feels like a curse, and people think there's something wrong with her, and so they don't want to have anything to do with her, and they won't want to have anything, anything to do with her, and she feels bad and doesn't want to meet them in the, in the busiest time in the day, and Jesus has compassion on her. If you read that story, you'll not find one word in that story where he judges her or says one thing bad about her. Not one word. He empowers her. The Son of God listens to her. He finds a common denominator on water, about water, and then he tells her something that she can be better, that she doesn't need to feel so bad about herself, that she doesn't need to feel like she's a nothing, that she doesn't need to feel like there's no future in her life. And so what she does, what does she do? She goes back because she's empowered now by the Son of God, by the Spirit of the living God. She's empowered by Him, and she goes back to the very people that accuse her, the very people that she's ashamed of. She goes back to the very people that think she's a nothing. And she tells them, about Jesus and how this man was this prophet that told her everything and she excited a town there was revival in a town she went back into her world and she changed her world that's the story Religion doesn't do it, but relationship does. Condemnation doesn't do it, but compassion does. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one to another. God's not the figment of love or the semblance of love. God is love. Love conquers the multitude of sins. Love never fails. Faith works by love. And Jesus was not religious. And he demonstrated love and compassion. And he empowered somebody. And she thought she was a nothing. But she became a something. And saw she was a somebody. And she went back into her world. And she changed her world. And she did it for God. How about that? Are you with me tonight? I need some music back here. Some of you in here feel that same way. 